Welcome to the Mormon Marriages Podcast. I am Angela Bagley. And I'm Nate Bagley. As Mormons, we believe that the most important thing in life is family. And the backbone of your family is your marriage. So on this podcast, we're going to talk with Mormon couples and relationship experts who provide amazing insights into what it takes to create a marriage that will make you look forward to eternity. We would love it if you subscribe to the show and reach out to us if you have any questions, suggestions, or ideas that can help us make it even better. Well, hey, Ange. Hello there. Today's episode features a lovely couple named Kurt and Alana. Mm -hmm. Alana and Kurt. Yes. And I stumbled across Kurt because I recently got a new calling in our ward that we just moved into, and I was a little clueless as to what to do in my calling. And um, so I started looking online for resources and stumbled across his website and it's called leadingLDS.org. Mm-hmm. And it's all of these awesome resources about how to be a great leader and how to be awesome in your calling inside the church. Mm-hmm. I love that he he said that he several years ago was trying to find resources on how you could better lead in the church and couldn't find anything. So he just said, he just well, himself. I'll just, I guess, I guess I'll, I'll, make just, it. I'll be the resource. <laughs> so he's been doing this for like six or seven years and has some really, really great information with some right. incredible people. And so I reached out to him and I'm like, Hey, how's your marriage? Actually, it was, uh, Brad Wilcox, I think actually pointed us in his direction. Mm-hmm. So not only did he have this awesome resource, but he came highly recommended from the Wilcoxes. So we were at their house a few weeks ago. Um, drove up there in the snow and got to sit down with them and talk to them about their relationship. And one of the things that I really enjoyed was that they talked a little bit about their struggle with infertility. Mm -hmm. And another thing I enjoyed is that I think sometimes we don't realize all the things that go into leading the church and all the things that go into the callings and the sacrifice sometimes and how hard it can be on families. Yeah. And they did a really good job of being real about how hard it can be and also things that they can do that we can do as members of the church that can alleviate that difficulty. Yeah, a lot of times we're really critical of our local leaders, um, which I understand nobody's perfect, Mm -hmm. but we also don't give them credit for sometimes for the hard work that they put in just to make the church work on a day-to-day basis and how much sacrifice it requires and time away from their family and time away from their spouse. And like, it's this, this podcast gives a really great example of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm excited for y'all to listen. Enjoy. (laughs) And remind me how to pronounce your name. Alana. Yeah. With an A and not an A. Alana. It's like Atlanta without the T's. Yeah. Oh, so basically we'll just say Atlanta with a Utah accent. Yeah, it was Alana. <laughs> I was te- petrified to say her name the first three weeks we we were dating because I was like, I don't want to be. Like, <laughs> <laughs> hey Al, <laughs> just hey you. Uh, we're st- we're, I hit the record button. <laughs> oh great, oh, Kurt and Alana, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, for, thanks. This is fun. We're happy to have you here on this snowy, blustery day. It may not be snowy when this people listen to it, but Let's hope not. <laughs> it was a it was a drive in the snow to get up here. Yes, We're it glad was. to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming to us. Yeah. So we we discovered you as a couple. We this is the first time we've met, and we're sitting uh-huh. in your kitchen. Um, but we found out about you through Brad Wilcox. He said you you need to talk to these guys wow. if you're doing this. So I, I'm, I'm you can't highly Brad, recommended. He, he even remembered my name because he's just the you know he's, he remembers he's everybody's name. Right? Yeah, he's a, he's got a gift for sure. So yeah, I've had opportunity to interview Brad on yeah. various uh, occasions, and he's always he's always so willing. You know, he's he's awesome. And I guess he's your mission president, right? Yeah, that's cool. So I kind of scored yeah. in that department. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. It was it was a cool experience. So thank you for letting us come hang out with you for yeah. a little bit and for getting a babysitter to go watch your, to watch <laughs> well, your kids. Yeah. Well, let's be let's be real here. This would not have been as good as good of an interview if, if we didn't. So. Yeah, no kids. distractions. Now. Maybe would we would have got like a real look into the family. Oh yeah, though, <laughs> we had the kids participate. <laughs> Mom. <Yeah. laughs> well, why don't we we start off almost every episode kind of the same way, and we would love to hear kind of how you met and fell in love. Can you tell us a little bit about that story? Yeah, he's looking at me, so I guess I'll start. <laughs> so, Ladies uh, first. <laughs> <laughs> we um, met in our singles ward. and Tale as old as time. That's yeah. right. They work, folks. Mm-hmm. Yes. Just the same measure you guys did. Two for yeah. two. Yep. And uh, Kurt 
Okay, I was a bit creepy. Okay, let me, let me just come out and say that. Because here's the thing. We had a FHE activity, and uh, it was volleyball that we uh, met at the Salt Lake Community College Institute building on the Redwood campus. And so we went over to the volleyball, uh, out, outdoor volleyball courts there, uh, you know, sand volleyball. And uh, and I saw her, and I thought, well, she's cute. You know, I wonder wonder what her story is or what her name is. So I went through the ward directory back then. You know, we didn't have LDS tools. so But we had an online directory, and I clicked through each page until I got to the P's and I like, that's her, Alana Pilatus. I have no idea how to say her name. Um, I thought, oh, is she German or something? This is interesting. So, uh, and then just so happened, remember the, I think it was that week, that weekend or in the coming weeks. Well, so the volleyball thing, I, I didn't like know him he noticed me or whatever and then like after, <laughs> he was then, not noticeable i don't know when <laughs> it, right. I, so I don't know how long it was from then uh-huh. but then um you introduced yourself to me at the ward mingle after sacrament it was meeting. much more magical than this you so, see i had been there she was all alone the back of the line <laughs> yeah. to, to the potato bar yeah i was in line by was my myself chance. and he came and talked to me and <laughs> At the Munch and Mingle. That's and little right. did you know, he'd been stewing over this. Yes. I had no Who idea. Knows how long. I'm Cookie very and a lookie. That's what I call it. <laughs> because we, we got our potato, and, and she grew up on a potato farmer, so gave uh, yeah, a potato farm. Had so some it gave something to talk about. And then uh, we sat together and ate. And then I left, and we had a great conversation, thinking, oh, I'm totally, now's my chance well, to. Well, you didn't leave yet. You just said, hey, let's hang out sometime. And right, I'm this. like, okay, great. Do you want my number? As he was like getting up to leave. And I'm like, wait. Because in my mind, I already had her number. How are you going to get my number? I got the ward menu. Don't appear as creepy as you are. Okay, yes, what's your number? And I, you know, put it in my phone, which is always Pretend already to put there. it in your phone. Yes, it's already there. Exactly. That's great. And, uh, I've done that before. And it uh, carried on from there. We went on some dates. And then I had to convince her that uh, she should start saying no to other men when they asked her out. And because uh, I wanted an exclusive relationship here. And uh, it moved pretty quick after that. Yeah, and we were pretty young. Like, I was 21, and you were 23. 23 and, mm. um, but I had dated a lot before, and so had Kurt, and we'd been through other relationships, and I'd had a couple, like, other serious relationships. And so when I met Kurt, I, I it doesn't happen like this all the time, but a lot of times it can, where I was just like, okay, like, I really like this guy. This is it. Like, I don't feel, like, I remember I actually had Jack Whitland as a bishop, um, when I was at BYU-Idaho, we, we met in Salt Lake, but when I was at BYU-Idaho, I had Jack Wayland as a bishop. And, and who's he? I, he's an author. Of what? Um, <laughs> Charlie, didn't you write Charlie, right? Charlie. The, she's just name dropping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Me and Jack. I figure yeah. people know like, who he is. <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, That was that Mandy Moore movie, right? No, no, I'm just kidding. That's a lot to remember. <laughs> I was joking. That's the Charlie, Charlie's the one where they went to Liberty Park and rode on the Ferris wheel. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah. I remember it's that a movie, movie now. And we all also crying. a book, though. Yeah. Yes. It started, it was started a book as first. a book. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So um, I was talking to my bishop, Jack Wayland, about... <laughs> <laughs> the Jack Wayland, okay? Dude. <laughs> <laughs> about um, Bishop Wayland, about, you know, my relationship with this guy that I was... And he, he mentioned something about how when he knew um, that it was his wife, like when he had met his wife and they got engaged, he's like, I didn't even have to pray about it. I just knew. That's kind of how it was with Kurt. Like, I mean, I think it's important to pray, but like, I just, we got engaged within like two months, three months, mm-hmm. and then we were married three months later. So we met, we met uh, July 3rd and we got married January 30th. 13th. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Our son's birthday is January 13th. Okay. okay. There's an important date. so many okay. January We won't embarrass you. We might, we might just bring it up two or three more times during <laughs> <Right>. the show. <laughs> That's a first, folks. That yeah. never happened before. So is there, what is it that stood out about him, about Kurt, that made you like, that made him different from other guys that do you think? Oh, um. Was there anything in specific that comes to mind? He's just great. Like mo- a lot of it was, um, I knew that he had a strong testimony. I don't know. It just felt right. Like he's just a really great guy. He's just really trusted your really gut, fun, and just trusted my gut. And <laughs> like I, I, can't, I guess I could. I, I, everything just felt really good, and I, um, and. 
somebody that I knew that I would be very proud of bringing him home to my meet my parents. That's and, a big deal. Um, yeah. yeah. So it's worked out great. <laughs> yes, it has. Well, congratulations. Thank you. I'm glad it's worked out great. Good. <laughs> it's 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 not very often you hear somebody talk about um, being proud to bring you home to right, see the parents. It's always an awkward uh, yeah awkward mm-hmm. step. But and how long have you been married? Twelve years. Twelve years. January thirteenth, uh, <laughs> we celebrated twelve years married, and uh, we've definitely we're definitely different people than we were on day one, but yeah, a good different. So. Tell us about that. Tell us about that, Alana. So I, it, I, uh, I hear. I mean, I hear couples complain a lot, like, yeah. "Oh, you're not the man I married," or "You've changed," or, or "Not the woman I married." You mm-hmm. know, like there's, there's. I feel like there's a, a sense of resistance sometimes mm-hmm. to people kind of changing in marriage, but you just said it's good. So, so, um, like, I, like, I think that all marriages they kind of go through these seasons. Like Mm -hmm. there's like summer and I feel like summer is like when you're first dating and like you're sort of super twitipated and blinded by love. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. Mm -hmm. And then, and then, um, you have like the spring and the fall and those are both like really great seasons. Like I love spring and fall. And then you go through like winter and all marriages. I think it's important, um, to know, like for you to, especially like if you're younger and you're getting married to know that like all marriages go through like these seasons of winter and spring and fall. And sometimes you go through times where there's a lot of strain on your marriage and other times like, um, things are really good. And I, and so I think like just going through, I think it's supposed to be like that. And I think that's how it's designed to be because, um, it's, good to go through hard things together because that's how you grow together and as going through hard things like helps you become the person who you're supposed to become and um yeah and and i would add to that like i think before you get married you sort of there's these um these expectations that a good marriage is always good right and if it isn't good something's wrong something must change but I think it's important to just expect some of these winter seasons and marriages and not think like, oh my goodness, are we stepping close to, or stepping one more step closer to, to divorce or mm-hmm. we got to fix this or we can't go too far down this. But sometimes life is just stressful. There's different trials in life, different responsibilities and circumstances. And, uh, and you just, that, there's not necessarily one point that, that pulls you out of that, but over time you just come out of it and then there's a good and time. And then right? there's a good time. Yeah. Like, yeah. And you appreciate those when they come. But it's definitely, you know, those 12 years, you know, a lot of that has been really good. But, uh, you know, there's been times have been really, uh, you know, strained. I love this analogy of the seasons. Um, I had an institute teacher talk about this where we... Your only institute teacher? I had (laughs) one, Brother Bartholomew, who was fantastic. Um, But he talked about how the winter, let's, let's look at a tree. And a tree during the different seasons, it blooms differently. The summer is when it's most green. And like you're saying in the summer, that's like when our marriages are most happy, they're thriving. And then winter comes and the leaves all fall off and it's kind of dreary and cold, but it's in the winter that's most important for the tree because that's when the roots are have to go deeper Mm -hmm. to get the nutrients that it needs. It has to grow stronger to withstand the elements so that when spring comes, it can blossom and bloom again. And in the summer, that's when the sun is at its highest, and it's when the tree gets a little more lax and more lenient. And then the winter comes again, and yeah. it has to really. So I think, like you said, we kind of need those yeah. seasons in our marriage. It's what helps yeah. us. Because I remember the, the yeah. first year of our marriage, and I, I think some people, as they've talked about on your podcast, or the first year of marriage, it's sort of uh, it sometimes can be the worst year, right? Yeah. You're, you're figuring each other out. And I remember these moments during our first year where we looked at each other like, I didn't sign up for this. Like, what? This is not going well. And I, and I specifically mem- remember a moment we were sort of. Um, we were in, in this argument and we were going to bed and, and, and do you remember we, what you were arguing about? Um, not specifically, but 
And and you kind of rolled over and you said, how do you feel like our marriage is going so far? And I'm just like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> I actually don't even remember that. You know, I, I just remember this moment of like, she thinks this is going really bad, but we're just having a conversation. That's fine. You know, so, um, but I just remember that year where we were sort of discovering these seasons and it's not like, and some of these seasons are a couple of weeks, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. it's just like, uh, you know, you life's tough. Yeah, right. right. You know, exactly. Such nice, a yeah. nice day, and right now it's can, like pouring snow. Right. So. And so we were just sort of discovering this, this idea of like, yeah, sometimes it just doesn't go well. It's, it's not necessarily anybody's part, but we're just learning and growing and, and developing as a, as a couple uh, in the in our marriage. I love that, I, and I feel like <laughs> our our religion more than any religion I know of is like, I love, we have so much of a focus on eternal progression, Mm -hmm. so much of a focus on eternal progression. And there's research that like, I've been, I do a lot of reading about relationships and there's this amazing book by a man named named David Schnarch Hmm. and it's called passionate marriage. And it is one of the best marriage books I've ever read. And one of the first things that he calls out at the very beginning of the book is that marriage is a human growth machine, Hmm. that the purpose of marriage is to force you to grow as a human being. And I read that and I, it just, something clicked in my head like, oh my gosh, no wonder marriage is so important in the gospel because the reason that we're here on earth is so that we can grow and evolve and progress as human beings. And the biggest and the best catalyst for that growth is to be married. Like the, I've never been exposed to more of my weaknesses and more of my flaws and more of my imperfections than I have in the last 18 months sitting next to this woman next to me mm-hmm. and um, going into it with the mentality that I'm in this to grow and not just to be happy all the time has really transformed how I look at marriage. So mm-hmm. it's, I feel like the, our biggest, like what, what you guys have been saying, our biggest growth oppor- opportunities come in the winter, come in the midst of, of struggle. Yeah. Yeah. And then also like the winter is what makes the spring seem that much better. Oh my gosh. Isn't like, that the best so feeling you in the world? you go through really hard things, but it makes the good times like so great. Like you can't, you have to experience the opposition. When those first tulips so. pop out of the ground or the tree yeah, starts to right. turn green and you're just like, oh yes, it's here, <laughs> it's, here. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> yeah. So that was, yeah, like we were, you know, we were pretty young when we first got married. And so, um, and so I think that it's just important for young couples to remember, don't despair, like just get through it and do it the best you can. And of course we want to like have like, all perfect, awesome marriages, but, Mm. and we got it and we do want to learn tools to get us through those winter times like best we can, but don't despair if, you know, what's a, what's a season of winter that you've been through in your marriage? I think, uh, a big one like for us has been um, a few things like, you know, we went through, you know, that first marriage or that first year we, we figure things out and then, um, and then, you know, we wanted to start having a family and, you know, we dealt with infertility for a few years and then we finally started to get pregnant and then we, we had four miscarriages and then we went through the adoption process. And so it wasn't always just that we were, our personalities conflicted or, you know, it was just like everyday trials that I think a lot of couples face that, um, you know, and then we had church leaderships step into That's our a, life and, and there's uh, just the, a different angles. The first one I think is a huge one that a lot of people are not willing to talk about. Mm-hmm. I yeah. have had, I don't know, half a dozen people in the last two months reach out to me and say, we're struggling with infertility yeah. and with their heartbroken and they're frustrated and it like, it, it messes with their sex life. Mm-hmm. Cause like sex becomes an obligation and like a duty. So mm-hmm. you can try and time things perfectly so <laughs> right. that you can have a kid instead of yeah. something that like brings you closer together. It's a stressor and it can, it can, man, it can take a toll on a couple. How did you guys navigate that? Was what were some of the tools you talked about that would be good for people to have in their back pockets? I think for the big thing is, is when you're first going through it, you think you're the only couple. You know, and I remember, uh, and it's nobody's fault per se, but um, after we had been trying to get pregnant for so long, her sister got married and announced a and few weeks. <laughs> yeah, announced a few weeks after <laughs> that, <laughs> that they were pregnant. And you know, it's and you want to be happy for them, but it's just this, it's this like elephant in the room for us, you mm-hmm. know. And everybody's excited, and we're just like, ah, and there's a punch in the gut, you know. And so. Um, we noticed that as we were more open about it, because it's one thing like you get to a point where you have one miscarriage and it's like, okay, nobody's finding out we're pregnant until we're eighth month pregnant, mm-hmm. yeah, eighth yeah. Month pregnant mm-hmm. you know, but I think it's so important to, 
to, uh, you know, obviously not do the whole Facebook announcement and tell everybody, right. but for your close friends and family to tell them early, you know, five, six weeks and let them know that, um, that it's happened. They can be excited for you and then let them know if it doesn't happen because, if you don't, you, you alienate yourself. Right. And then it's just us like together crying in a room and, uh, suffering alone is, yeah, it's, it's no good. And then you find out that as you're opening out with close friends, you realize a lot of people are going through it and you're like, Oh, okay, maybe this is, this is quite normal. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and it's worked out. We've had two kids since, since then. And, and, but in those moments you think, I mean, why is this happening? And, and you, you feel alone that, that you're the only one that hasn't figured this out, right? It's like, I, I could have sworn I paid attention to those health classes. I, I, I don't think we're doing it. <laughs> it's not right. that complicated. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I put together a tent before. <laughs> exactly. so, anything you'd add to that, Elena, as far as what, what helped us through? I know you, it was a different different um, angle for whole you. A whole different experience, I'm sure. Especially in the, in one part of this, sorry to jump in, but you know, we'd go to fertility doctors and they'd look at us like, well, you seem normal to us. Mm. Just keep trying, right? And Anyways, it's tough. Yeah. Um, honestly, like I've actually, I was actually thinking about this before we recorded and I'm like, I don't quite remember it all the way because now we're like in the thick of like, we have a five-year-old and a three-year-old. Right. So now we're in the thick of like, you're in the midst of all the things you were hoping for them. Oh yeah. Like we had that life and, (laughs) um, but yeah, like it was hard, but, and there were times where there was strain in our marriage and there was times where we grew together and we were grew closer and we had like, we had really sweet, sweet times because of, because of the trial that we went through. And, um, yeah, it was just, it was a good like learning experience. And I, and just what I think I got a lot out of it is like just trusting in the Lord, like, and, um, I feel like my life was supposed to go a certain way, but no, it wasn't like it was supposed to go this other way. And mm-hmm. when I look back on that, like mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, it went exactly how it was supposed to go. Was it so. hard to divorce yourself from the way that your life was supposed to go? Oh yeah, for sure. Cause we want to have a lot of kids. Yeah. I mean, we had talked six, seven kids. She's, she's the oldest of seven. I'm the youngest of four, but, um, you know, we want to have five or six kids and now it's like two and, you know, we hope maybe soon we can get pregnant with a third, but, um, it's like, we're not, we may get to four if we're lucky, yeah. you know? And when you start having kids too, it's like, okay, this is, yeah, you have, it's, it's a like, lot, yeah. it's a lot, but it's so sweet. Like, um, I remember having like, anyway, this is a whole new thing. <laughs> I remember having our first daughter and then I figured, okay, well, as soon as we have her, we'll start trying for the next one. Cause we went through this infertility, but remember like just her though, she satisfied all of that. And it was, yeah. And again, going back to that whole metaphor of the the spring and winter, like I sometimes look at Devery, our daughter, I'm just like, you are, are so worth the wait. I mean, mm-hmm. everything about you. I mean, I, I do it all over again if I knew that I'd end up with little Devery and little Taysom. So, yeah. Um, so. so what would you tell, tell the couples right now who are in the midst of it, like right in the thick of it, and they're in that kind of despair and frustration and just like really wanting to bring another life into their family and, and it's just not working and it's not working and they're feeling alone and isolated. What would you, what would you tell them? You go first. I'd say, um, like tell, figure out a way to tell your story. You know, we live, especially in the social media world. Um, like we need more real stories on Facebook, on Mm -hmm. on Instagram. Right. And, uh, and just that action of, of telling your story and getting it out there. And again, you don't have to broadcast it on something as, as public as Facebook, but, um, you know, talking about it and the feelings you're going through with others and that, that empathy they'll, they'll feel will, I mean, that's, that's at the core of the atonement, you know, that, that feeling. And so, uh, the more you can articulate it and talk about it and, uh, and, and look at other options. I mean, and the crazy thing is we went through the whole adoption process, um, through LDS family services back when they, they did adoptions. And we got to the point where a mother, a birth mother actually called our, our, uh, worker, whatever they call him and, and said, we, I want to place my, my, my son with uh, Kurt and Alana and it was due in a week. And, uh, so we, we went crazy and we're like preparing this nursery. We're gonna have a baby in a week. And, uh, and that, and that week Alana called me at work and said, I'm pregnant again. And so we thought, oh okay, gosh. we're either going to have two kids 
one kid or no kids, you know, because anything could have happened. Oh my gosh. And it just so it happened that it's exciting yeah. and stressful all at the yeah. same time. That's a lot of big decisions to right. make. And uh, just so happened that birth mother, she just disappeared and, and our social worker, I don't know what you you'd call her, but she told us like, this is, this never happens. The mother, the birth mm. mother rarely pulls out once that they've, they've placed it. And we don't, there's, <clears throat> there's some five-year-old kid running around that was almost ours. Um, and every, and that was when the pregnancy with every one and that went through and, so we ended up with one kid at that, mm-hmm. at that point. So. Wow. Yeah. So. Anything else as far uh, as helping others in despair, what would you? So like I said before, just trusting in Heavenly Father. And it's so hard and it's so easy to like put yourself in victim mode. And mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's healthy to be sad about it and be really sad, but just really trying like to like, you know, sharing it with others and just. Um, yeah. Yeah. I heard the, a great perspective of somebody going through a rough time. Many times we, we want to go around our trials, but it's important that we go through them, right? Mm-hmm. And we mourn, right? With each miscarriage, it's important to mourn and not just say, well, we'll just try next month, you know, but to really go through that trial is, is important. Yeah. Um, Kurt, another winter you mentioned was, you said some LDS leadership experiences. Yeah, right. yeah. So tell us a little bit about your podcast. I think that's relevant. To this. Yeah. So, um, I, I appreciate other podcasters. I I'm, I'm cheering you on because I know how, uh, <laughs> Thank you. how difficult this is. Many people just like open their phone, like, Oh, another episode. Great. I'll listen. But they don't mm-hmm. know the sweat and tears behind each episode. And, <laughs> a lot goes into it. Right. We don't just fall out of bed and pop out an episode. Right. Um, so I appreciate what you're doing and I think this is a great premise, Thank but, you. um, Thanks. so back in 2014, I had been running uh, leading LDS just as sort of an online blog resource for for lay leaders and the whole premise is to help lay leaders take their ability to the level of their authority and anybody who's been in a leadership calling knows that uh, you're given a handbook a pat on the back and good luck good luck right been there yep and and so i just felt like there was a better way i mean just how how you described the, the premise of this podcast that there's just not a overwhelming a lot of resources for marriage or for leadership mm-hmm. and um I was a high priest group leader at the time, just released from a bishopric, and I thought, I, you know, I was looking at home teaching again. How, how do I succeed at home teaching? And I thought, there's got to be somebody out there talking about this. And uh, I got online, and there's nothing there. And so um, I started blogging about it. And then in 2014, when podcasts were becoming all the rage, I uh, started the Leading LDS podcast. And, you know, now we've had over 250 episodes, and I do similar to this uh is I just interview everyday leaders and say, how is it that you lead? Just like, yeah. Yeah. how is it you, that you marry? <laughs> um, and uh, it's been fantastic. And, and it's after being a high priest group leader, I served as a bishop and then in a stake presidency. And so that sort of served as as my laboratory to see different leadership issues and problems and, and thinking about these things and, and hopefully bringing resources to leaders that, that will help them lead better. So that's the whole premise of it. And it's been a fantastic awesome. project. Mm-hmm. So I can kind of speak on like how it's like been in our marriage. So when he first got called out as like, he was, he was, a, he got called as a bishop and he had a few other leadership callings before that. And this is got, before we had kids, right? We were, yeah. I was 28 and we were still trying to, we were hoping maybe I'd be the bishop without kids. Yeah. <laughs> so this is before we had kids and it was actually really exciting. Like, um, because, and I was in the Relief Society presidency and so it was great because we were able to kind of surf together and I was really involved and he was really involved. And, and so that was actually a time when like summertime, yeah, yeah. <laughs> fall time, springtime. Yeah. So, um, but then, um, but then, um, I also remember like one time, um, talking to one of my friends when, and she was telling how about her when her parents were bishop and she was like her or when her dad was a bishop and she said that you know that she heard that's when she heard her parents fight the most is when he was the bishop and it can put a lot of strain like on a marriage leadership um callings and so as we when he was bishop then we um had our first little girl and we also had Taysom right when you were bishop yeah, I think so. Yeah. So we had both of our kids when he was a bishop. And then after he was bishop, he got put in a, in the state presidency. And there were definitely times through it where, um, like it was, 
that it was like hard. It puts a strain on your marriage. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't strain, just yeah. like one thing that added to the argument. A lot of times it was, was the, the argument. argument. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I remember in the state presidency, there was this one day I came home and, and you had had it and you're just, and you knew that we were looking for a, a state clerk and they're like, why don't they just make you the state clerk? Like you do that and they cannot call someone else to be a counselor. You know, I'm like, well, yeah, I don't understand. Sometimes the state clerks are more busy than a counselor, but, um, but yeah. there was just sort of this. But I'm like, the state clerk can at least go to church with this family. Right. right. And there's such this like, like stigma with uh, leaders and their wives where I remember many nights, I would, especially in the state presidency, I would remind the bishops in the stake that we would have this meeting and, and we'd talk about different you know, gospel principles and ways that we're serving. The spirit was there and it was wonderful. And I would remind everybody, please remember all your wives are home watching Toy Story for the 10th time yeah. and mm-hmm. they're pulling their hair out. Mm-hmm. We're lucky that we get to come to these meetings secluded of, of outside distractions and have this spiritual experience, but your wives are not having that. And it, it always uh, pains me that then, and, and you've probably been in these meetings. It's either, you know, when uh, maybe bishops being released or um, a lot of times I, uh, area. I remember one time a a 70 came to our state conference and had this meeting with, um, with all the wives of of Bishopric members. And he said, you know, my wife, when, when I was serving or my wife's just never complained, you know, and it's like, like, I I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. But every woman in here is thinking, "Ah, I've complained. Yeah. I'm, I'm not as good enough, you know, so don't ever say that. Right. The, and, and, and it's okay to complain. Right. It's okay it's, to it's say like, Hey, okay. life kind of sucks right now. Yeah. Like right. you're, you're, you're working a 40 hour work week and then you're spending 20 hours in yeah. meetings for church and right. I miss you. Right. And, and you, cause you literally give your husband or, yeah. or maybe, you know, the least side president, your wife to the ward. Right. Yeah. And if there's, if there's any state presidents listening, it would mean so much as when you call a new bishop, you should, in, in that sustaining meeting, you have that entire family stand up when you take a sustaining vote. Not that you sustain the whole family, you still right. sustain but the, acknowledge the person, them. but acknowledge that this is a, f- we're asking this family to, to serve, make a sacrifice, not just the, the bishop. And that would go a long way and, and really prepare them, um, for, for what's ahead of them. Cause, um, it, it can be tough. Now on the other side, I remember as Bishop coming home and I look at Alana and be like, listen, I can't tell you anything, but you need to understand how awesome our marriage is because I've seen some that are just a mess. Right. And I'm, you know, I'm trying to, and you might be stressed and, right now right. and things might be a little hard, but man, we are in such a good place. And I, I get, I don't take out the garbage all the time, but believe me, I get, it could be much worse. Yeah. So there's some of that too, that, you know, not that I want to uh, make light of other situations, but, um, it does put things in perspective yeah. of like, you sometimes feel like, man, I'm could be a better husband, but Oh, I guess, you know, I'm not doing too bad. It could be worse. So, mm-hmm. um, but there's definitely some stigmas and, um, you know, there, then there's sort of this, uh, when you're the Bishop of a ward, everybody sort of just wants five minutes of your time, right? You're after the meetings, people are come up to you and, uh, man, if, if there's something you could do in your ward is, is recognize that Bishop's wife and, and, or maybe your elders quorum president's wife or, uh, the Reefside President's husband, whatever it is, and just approach them, write them a note, and just say, or the thank you for what you're doing. Secretary's wife. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, <geez>. <laughs> the <laughs> struggle's real. But, uh, but yeah, really see if you can uh, reach out to them, because they, a lot of times, are are sitting alone in the pews, wrestling children. And they're and, just uh, there to, quote, support. Right. They're and, just there to support. But this oof. is a family calling, and, and uh, there's a lot of good we could do by, by recognizing those wives. Yeah, and also, like, what I kind of all just gotten out of it is it's okay to go through hard things, and it's okay to let, you know, like, it's easier said than done, but it's okay to let your husband go, and and I think it's important to think about, like, you know, not just the fact that he's gone, and you're having this thought that he's gone, and, like, I just got done making dinner, like, I had to make it in time. Like I was in a hurry to make it and making it in time for him to eat and then leave. And now I have to clean it up. Like it's like, you know, mess and maybe not, maybe not dwelling so much on those thoughts, but as thoughts of like, what is he doing tonight? And like kind of thinking about like, what, like, you know, thinking about what he has going on for that night and who he's meeting with and, Right. He's not out like at the batting cages or at the golf course. Right. He's actually Making in people's homes trying to yeah. help them with their struggles. And, and you know, and then like what kind of, and I didn't do this perfectly for sure. Like <laughs> I've actually kind of, they feel like I've learned more 
coming out of it in like, hindsight yeah in you know the hindsight but um but but i did you know try to think sometimes you know like and he'd come home sometimes and he couldn't he couldn't tell me all but he'd be like wow like that i had an amazing like opportunity tonight to help somebody and you know you got and then i think you know i i took part in that too like helping yeah. that person and so and that brings up another point <clears throat> is um if you if you are a bishop or in any leadership calling involve that spouse in that experience with you you know coming home and and again as a bishop you can't articulate every detail and and divulge some of those things but um but many times i'd counsel with Atlanta and say this is what this is what we're thinking about you know the chili cook-off or whatever it is like what do you think what are we missing here and, and that wife mm-hmm. can be such a a powerful counsel and 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 also sharing those spiritual experiences let me tell you what happened tonight this and this and and then this happened and and bringing that spirit and sharing it home rather than just coming home exhausted like okay well on to the next day you know yeah Mm -hmm. and then um oh gosh you were talking um i lost (laughs) it talking (laughs) always keeps talking um (laughs) and then uh yeah, so I mentioned at the beginning, like when I first saw her talking about this, that like when he first got called as bishop, I had the opportunity to be like way involved and it was so much easier. And so I think that the more you can be involved, like the easier it is. And so. But then when kids come along, you can't just run off to <laughs> yeah, meetings so with it me does or get harder, go to this activity. Or, yeah. What are some things, um, Alana, from your perspective that ward members can do to support the wives of leadership or even the husbands of leadership? Hmm. Um. <laughs> Give me a minute. Okay. All right. Um. Let me think. I can't think of anything. Go ahead. <laughs> no, that's okay. That's okay. I think one of the big strengths is that um, is that the friendships you had, and a lot of times it was you know the the wives of my counselors or or the uh, the other people in, in the bishopric, right? And there was this the one thing that caught us completely off guard. Um, and I think this does do that. I was in a state presidency, you know, in my 30s when we had children. I think a lot of them are more gray haired. But when I got called to the state presidency, obviously I was not in that ward. Mm-hmm. And it went from being like, this is our ward, you know, like I'm the bishop and, and people know us. And then all of a sudden I'm pulled out of that. There's a new bishop, a new guy running the show. And then I'm not even there with her. And so, uh, that became very difficult to, um, maneuver. We didn't expect how difficult that would be because, um, I wasn't anywhere around to help her or those types of things. So, um, just that friendship of, of having people to go to and, you know, having an experience that when I go to church, I get to see people I love, get to interact with, with others and especially the other women that, that you really bonded with. And so if you may think the bishop's wife has a lot of friends, but that may not be the case, right? Mm-hmm. What would you add to that? Uh, yeah, I think exactly that because like a lot of times I have to go to church by myself. And so, um, like it, I did have some friends in the ward and it was, it was great. And it was actually really transient ward. So then, um, a lot of my friends actually moved out and then I actually kind of felt Start alone. over again. Yeah. And, um, like, and sometimes thinking, Hmm, like maybe I just won't go, you know, like, mm-hmm. but, uh, and that's, I think that needs to be said. There are literally times where Lana just didn't go to church or, or miss sacrament meeting because she, she couldn't get all the kids ready. It's, right. And it's not right. like, we have a hard enough time being ready by ourselves right, as exactly. just two normal adults and getting to church on yeah. time that when we have kids, I don't know how we're going to do it. Right. And so, I mean, if there's, if the <laughs> bishop's wife does have, have yeah. kids, I mean, if you could help out there, you know, even getting them ready or whatever it is. But I think it's important to say that, you know, sometimes you just don't make it to church mm-hmm. and because you can't do it all by yourself. Your husband's off doing, you know, temple recommends or whatever. And and then you just didn't make it. And I remember many yeah, times you texted me. It didn't make it like a. It didn't, it didn't make it like a ongoing thing. Like right. It was yeah. Just it was, like, right. Today is not a good. Thing. Right. And there's many times I catch myself. I want to be like, well, no. In, in our household, we go into the church. Okay. <laughs> we don't miss church. Do you what? You know. But it's like okay. And hey, we you know, have FHE every week, and it's every, all the kids that's are right. always reverent, and they that's sing right. all the songs in key. That's and, right. <laughs> yeah. So it doesn't exist. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. For sharing. I love that you guys have created space in your relationship for struggle. Mm. Um, yeah, that's key. And and I think that it, 
like it goes back to what you said towards the beginning that like being able to divorce yourself from the way that you, it has to go in your mm-hmm. brain, like the story of this is the way I thought it would happen and creating opportunities or space for it to just happen the way that it actually does happen. Yeah. One thing Nate and I have been thinking a lot about lately is, um, especially living where there's a high density population of LDS members, there are a lot of cultural mm. and traditional things that happen uh, that aren't necessarily doctrinal that can affect marriages or affect the way we lead. I just wanted to get maybe your perspective from the leadership point of view of some things we do that could harm our marriages. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, that's, that's the battle of, of the culture and the doctrine that is ongoing, and it just gets magnified uh, here in Utah, whether... And, and many people would disagree with that, but I, I just don't think, you know, you spend a few weeks outside of Utah and you realize how much, you know, that's a thing. Um, you know, it just goes back to the stigmas on, on, uh, I mean, let me think about this and get a good, um, cause I sort of mentioned the, the cultural norms of, of, uh, what the bishop's wife, you know, the ideal bishop's wife and, and what they're supposed to do and, and that, you know, and there's this, uh, there's a stigma of like, oh, the, 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 we give a lot of lip service to um, like, oh, well, you know, in meetings we'll say like, oh, be sure, you know, you make time for your family. That's number one. But sometimes our actions don't don't show it. And and that's one thing, um, you know, by the time I, I was done uh, at the end of my term as bishop, you know, our bishop meeting was once a, once a week for a half hour. And a mm. lot of bishops look at that and they say, there's no way. There's no way that could be done. But we get... So we put so much on us as bishops and feeling like we have to make every decision. I mean, I still hear of bishops that feel like it's their job to staff the primary and they just tell the primary president, this is who you're going to call. But you get rid of all that and say, mm-hmm. you know, what? just trust the primary president and, and she'll make the call. And if there's maybe the, the, the young women's president wants someone that the primary president wants, okay, well, let's have a quick conversation about it. But by, if you're sitting in these bishopric meetings, like, going through like each calling and staring at the board. And, and I have been in bishopric meetings that are three or four hours long and that is Man. absolutely uh, inappropriate. Yeah, and there's this no. quote, um, if the apostles but, can, uh, yeah, exactly. Okay. Right. Yeah. But there's this quote that uh, president Hinckley said that unnecessary, unnecessary sacrifice is evil. And I love how like poignant mm-hmm. that is. It's not that like is. you should avoid it. It is evil. And as a leader, it is important for you to evaluate the sacrifice you're giving and then say, what of this sacrifice is unnecessary? That That's I can interesting. And that applies a lot to marriage too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and we were just talking on the way. There's a talk by Elder Russell, M- well now our prophet, yeah. Russell M. Nelson. Uh, 2008 called, October General Conference called, called Celestial, Marriage. Celestial Marriage. And there's a quote in it that says, I'm paraphrasing, but all of the programs in our church are a means to an end to exalt the family. And so are we focusing on our callings and our programs in our church for that purpose? Or are we getting caught up? I think sometimes the... we get it backwards where our fam our, our family is used to support the calling or the organization or the the ward or the activity instead of the activity being there to support the family or the mm-hmm. the the marriage. So I love what you said that unnecessary sacrifice is evil because yeah. it takes away from that idea of exalting the family. Now, and there's a certain look that a wife can give uh, a member of a bishopric as they're leaving the house to to go to a meeting, and I would always be very clear with my my counselors that. You, you don't need to give me any excuse for not coming to a meeting. If you right. begin to leave the house and she looks at you like, tonight is not, not a good night, <laughs> then you say, okay, I just won't go. And that's right. fine. The ward moves on. And yep. it's, it's funny how we, we put so much emphasis on ward council meeting. We have to hold it every other week. And if we don't, well, maybe the ward will just explode. You know what? People still show up. Lights get turned on. The lesson gets taught. And we move forward, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so sometimes we put too much emphasis on our responsibility as a leader. Uh, when in reality, it's at home. I want to know what the look looks oh. like. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It, I'm it's more. It's like probably she, more for me. Maybe it was me just telling him. <laughs> she has like throw up on her, and her <laughs> hair's disheveled, and uh, she's you don't you dare leave me. <laughs> so, but yeah, there was a couple times. I mean, he was in leadership for a while, but there were a couple times where he did say he did stay home, and um, and tonight I need to was, be with my family. Yeah. 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 So. And then there's other nights where we'd call, this is a, I'd call it my Superman cape moments where I'd get a yeah. phone call and it's like 1030 at night and I'm just like, 
I'm sorry, but I have to go. Yeah. That's all I can say. And, you and you'd be like, go get them. Like, <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. yep, for sure. So those were great um, memories and experiences for sure. Like we had a good time and learned a lot and grew a lot and had good yeah. hard times. And going back and to your, your metaphor of the winter and spring now, like seasons. Sunday, Sundays are magical oh right now because I'm not, I'm not in leadership and I'm like around and like sitting next to your yeah. wife in the pews, yeah, arm yeah. around her, wrangling yep. kids. Yep. Yeah. She's just like, Oh, thank you. So we, we definitely, we, we appreciate it a little bit more now. Yeah, well. we do. That's cool. Yeah. Thank you for painting a real picture for us. Hopefully I think it helps to have that perspective. Yeah. Is there any last advice that you would want to leave? Maybe couples who are a little, maybe experiencing something that you guys have experienced or a few years behind you in the process? Um, yeah. So like, um, recently I've been learning a lot about, um, just like our, our thoughts and how they can affect like our feelings and our emotions. And then um, the way we act and then our result. And so, um, I kind of have an example to, ex to explain what I mean. Um, like for example, like, um, if you ask your spouse to take out the trash and, um, they forget to do it. And then like a couple hours later, it's still there and they're asleep. <laughs> Um, <laughs> this just never happens. <laughs> you're being so careful not to. <laughs> Let's say your husband's a dirtbag. <laughs> well, I could really, I could actually, that's not like a exactly. real life example. example, but I could give one, but, <laughs> but, um, you know, in the past, a lot of times, like I would look at that garbage can and be like, oh my gosh, he doesn't care about me. Like mm -hmm. he like just like totally I think it's easy he to doesn't love me or like or like I have to do everything and um and I think um and then but just recently I've been learning like to you know, you can choose how to think about it and like in reality if you take a step back, like he probably just forgot and he it's not because he doesn't love you and <laughs> <laughs> And, um, and so, so sort of taking that moment, right. Of mm -hmm. stepping back and saying, yeah. how, how is this thought? How am I responding to this thought with emotion? And mm -hmm. then I, you have more control over that than you realize. Right? Yeah. I like that a lot yeah. to say, is the way I'm thinking about this helping me or is it harming me? Is it reality or is it just a story I'm telling myself? Am I yeah. wearing poop colored glasses or rose colored glasses? <laughs> or just real colored glasses. Or just real. <laughs> <laughs> transparent I like that a lot. am I seeing reality yeah. yeah yeah and it's been like and so lately I've been noticing like doing that and it's been great like and he's even like I've seen a difference it has been <laughs> remarkable yeah so, wait wait tell tell us the difference that you've seen no I just sometimes like early on uh, a few years ago it'd be like oh my goodness I forgot to take out the trash I'm in trouble like this is not gonna <laughs> go over well and I went home go home or I we'd interact and be like this this passive aggressive, like silent treatment one moment. And then like this little thing flies off the handle. I'm like, what is happening? Like, I don't know. <laughs> and then little do I know it all goes back to like the trash. And if I would have just done that, but now I, sometimes I just catch myself thinking, I think I might be in trouble. And then she's like, Hey, how are you? And I'm like, <laughs> Oh, you're not mad. Okay, great. This is awesome. You know? So I, and uh, credit to her. I mean, she's, uh, and we're all growing and we all have, ways that we can change and adjust. And, and I think it's important, just like leadership, that um, we can't just, you know, in leadership, uh, often people t tell to me, say to me that, well, no, I mean, we have the priesthood and we have the scriptures. We don't need anything else. And you can do the same with marriage. It's like, well, we've been sealed in the temple. We, oh, you know, we man. have this, it should be fine. Like all we need is just, we just need to pray more together. No, you need to go out and get some books I need to become a student of marriage and, you know, the various books like the five love languages even have, have made an impact on our marriage and, and going out, looking at research and saying, okay, this works. How can we apply that and talking about it? Right. And even recently, uh, we, I read, uh, I'm going to be interviewing Gail Miller. She just wrote a book for desert book. And, uh, so they gave me the book to review and I read it all out loud with Alana. It just, we, we had these great discussions about, 
about money and about life and about callings, about raising kids that Gail Miller talks about. And uh, to me, it's you have to go out and find that information and, and have that conversation long before you really need to have that conversation. Yeah, that's huge. That's one of, I think one of my cultural pet peeves is exactly what you talked about, about how a couple gets married in the temple and they're like, all right, we're sealed for eternity. And that's not how it works. Yeah. Like there are so many people who believe they have a celestial marriage who don't have a celestial yeah. marriage. Their marriage is very telestial. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but like, I, I just don't, this is one of the reasons that I wanted to start this podcast is because to me, a celestial marriage, I think about what kind of a husband God would be what kind of a husband Christ would be. And that's what we aspire to, you know, and what would his wife be like? How generous would they be towards each other? How kind would they be towards each other? How patient would they be towards each other? How much fun would they have? And how many inside, like how playful would they be with one another? How compassionate. And I look at some of the relationships within our church and we believe in eternal progression and we believe in eternal marriage. And we say we want to live together. Like the ultimate gift is to live together forever in the presence of God with our spouse and then I look at some of these couples, a lot of couples, and I look at their marriages and I'm like, that seems more like, it does not seem like exaltation or, or, or right. happiness, like an yeah. eternity of happiness. It looks, seems like it'd be more an eternity of like arguing over the clothing hamper and uh, over arguing over the finances and arguing over who's in the mood to have sex and, and whatever else. And like, there's just so little compassion and understanding. And then you've got people who I'm rambling, but I don't care. Um, <laughs> you've got people who measure the quality of their marriage by how long they've been together. Oh my, we have a great marriage. We've been together for 40 years. And I'm like that. You could just be really tolerant. You know, mm -hmm. you can be married for 20, for 40 years or 20 years or 50 years. And you could just be really patient people who have learned to put up with each other's baloney. Yeah. And to me, celestial marriage is something more than that. It's exactly what you said. It's constant improvement it's looking for opportunities to get better it's learning to how to make it through a season it's it's looking looking at an obsolete obstacle that you just came through and saying how can we be better next time it's being more compassionate it's changing your thoughts and your and your and knowing how they influence your feelings and being just better towards each other all the time and marriage is the human growth machine like this is the way we become per perfected and i talk to people too much that avoid the work mm. They're so scared to have a hard conversation and they're avoiding the growth. And that's the real joy of marriage, I think. So, Amen, brother. Oh. Preach it. <laughs> I'm going to go take a nap now. <laughs> that was great. I love it. That, that to me is eternal marriage, though. Is I, I'm excited to be with Ange because I know that there's not going to be an end to our growth and that she's never going to settle and just be like, okay, I guess we can stop trying now. It's always going to mm -hmm. be, how can we be a little bit better? Yeah. Great perspective. Sure. Yeah. And that's one thing I love, just hearing your perspective and the opportunities that the church gives us to grow as a couple. Mm -hmm. The leadership opportunities that help us have those difficult conversations. And they put pressure on they us. They put to... pressure on us. And so thank you for giving yeah. us your perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We appreciate you having us over. Yeah. Well, this has been fun. so grateful that you listened to this. Thanks we, for coming. We are grateful that you listened to this episode. Over. No, we're yes. we keeping this now. No. And what's a great way that people can show their appreciation for us if they well, enjoyed this episode? If they've enjoyed this episode, they can go to iTunes and they can rate and review and show us their love so that we can reach a greater audience. Heck yeah. Yeah. And what's something nice that you'll do for everybody if they rate and review us this week? Let's say we get five reviews this week. I will give them a personal shout out in our next episode. Ooh, I like it. A yeah. personal shout out and maybe we'll make dinner for somebody nice. Who okay. Needs it? We'll make, if you rate and review our podcast, our we will find a family in need. Our service is depending on your reviews. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Have a great week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>